everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, on a scale of one to giggle maniacally, where were you? Oh, my God. That was so fun. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was 17 for 17 championships. We're going to get the 17th this year. No, man, dude, that was I I tweeted this out last night. This is my fourth year. You've been doing it longer, but this may be true for you, too. Yeah, that's the best basketball game I've seen the Lakers play preseason, yada, yada, all of that. I don't care. That was amazing. That was like everything I fantasized about in the offseason, like best case scenario type shit, you know, Mm -hmm. and just yeah, man, I'm still buzzing off of it. I can't wait to have my video out later this afternoon. Uh, I I was I was just happy that Davis was able to miraculously recover in time for, for that game. Like that's all. That was my takeaway. He he was able to fend off amputation and, and come back. <laughs> no, he recovered from ap- amputation. From amputation. Yeah, he regenerated. That's yeah, right. he regenerated yeah. somewhere over the Pacific Ocean, and was good to go for the game somehow. I thought I thought, I thought that was incredible. I don't think that's getting enough coverage, frankly. Miracle of modern medicine. Yeah. Um. Today's show, we're basically just going to celebrate yesterday's game. The, the shows lately, you know, with the China controversy and with, you know, kind of annoyances with, with you know, rotation things and, and just Rondo's existence. Like, we're just going to celebrate Rondo's last- existence? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. In the rotation. I'm fine with him existing. Okay. In, okay. in the rotation. All right. All right. That's fair. Um, but <laughs> I do think, though... It, <laughs> Let's start with let's start with the front court because uh, obviously that was a that was something that you know people kind of mocked the idea that the Lakers were going to try to just completely retrofit this idea of a front court to appease Anthony Davis um, and and they were there was concerns about the the spacing and yet like the flip side to that is. Okay, yes, they aren't going to have the the same kind of spacing most teams are are going to benefit from. And, you know, in some situations, those situations are going to call for the kind of spacing that you get when you move Davis to the five. Mm -hmm. But you also have to try to get a rebound on these guys. You also have to try to box them out on on the offensive boards. Mm -hmm. And one thing that really stuck out to me last night was anytime anybody drove to the rim, the Lakers were having somebody dive to the basket and just kind of sit at the front of the rim. And there was nothing the Warriors could do about it. So Phil Jackson used to always talk about like the different ways that you can, you know, get penetration. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about dribble penetration, but the Phil was big on the idea of passes being able to do that and how that can like collapse a defense. Mm -hmm. You remember that play where LeBron, so LeBron's passing line last night was (laughs) unbelievable. He made like, I, I, maybe four or five passes that like would have been the best pass in the game. Yeah. Amongst anybody else. He just like kept up the upping the ante. In just unbelievable. So he had this one pass in the first quarter where he was at the elbow in the high post, and they were going to run uh, Danny Green off of a off of a pin down screen that uh, that AD was setting for him. Green back cut it, and LeBron just threaded the needle in this like <laughs> just this insane bounce pass, two handed bounce pass. He got it to Green, and Green just kind of threw it up around the rim because that's the type of finisher that Green is. If he's in traffic, he's not you know yeah. going to elevate over anybody or anything like that. But that's all you have to do with this team, right? Like just the Mark just Jackson throw, thing. If you get that penetration, you get all of the heads turned away. You know, you know from from 
half court, right? So if you're looking toward the baseline, you throw it that way. If they're looking toward the baseline, they're not looking at the guys crashing the boards. Right. And so just throw it up off of the rim, AD with the easy putback. That happens time and time again over the course of this preseason. I'd love for the Lakers to play more than just Golden State in Brooklyn, especially with how undersized yeah. Golden State is. They look really bad, man. Like aside from their their main guys, I know it's preseason, but um, like that that could be rough. A rough start for the season for them. I feel like Draymond Green literally ate his extension. <laughs> very, very well may have. He may, he may commit homicide on that roster. Yeah. Uh, he, he may kill two or three of his teammates this year. <laughs> and then eat uh, them. Yeah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the Lakers look so big and credit to Vogel. One of the best things he's done, they went away from it in, uh, in China against the, against Brooklyn, but they've been running some really good sets that, maximize the spacing on the court considering that they've got you know bigs at the five that don't stretch the floor Mm -hmm. they've done a really good job of still creating space for roll lanes for putbacks and all that yeah i it's funny when most people think spacing you think shooting right you think of spacing the floor laterally or or you know in, in other ways that are not the ways that you can space the floor using your bigs and there were a few times yesterday, like one one possession in particular stood out to me. There were like two or three possessions in a row. I think it was in the first half that LeBron had post ISOs, and on the other side of the on the other side of the key, while LeBron had the ball on the right side of the court, Dwight Howard was kind of standing off to the side. I remember Stu was like, "Somebody's got to dive. Somebody's got to dive." And I'm like, "No, don't dive." They finally have its single coverage on LeBron. 15 feet from the basket don't dive <laughs> what are you doing um mm-hmm. and and but because the the person who was guarding dwight had to also honor the fact that dwight could dive if that guy stepped in just a little bit uh lebron had an easy look two times in a row and made both of them with those that like kind of step back dirk shot that he does mm-hmm. and and like that's that's a version of spacing that most people don't really think of and the fact that the Lakers are taking advantage of that geometry, like that's you and I talked about the modernization of the Lakers. That's a version of modernizing the, your approach to basketball, and that was really cool to see. And in, in, even if it was just in that in that one minor example, you know, that's attention to detail stuff, and that's been one area where I've been most impressed by Vogel. Is like, look, a guy like Vogel is not a very inspiring guy. He's not a former player, mm-hmm. so you have to have some degree of chops from an X's and O's. And when we think X's and O's, we always think of a coach like drawing up a play. I would argue that more of it are the details in like... And, and, and how you react to different things, right? Mm-hmm. So the Lakers bigs have done a good job of reading opposite. And what read opposite means is that if the ball is on this side of the court, you're on the other, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that that gives you the passing lane for the dump off to the big. If penetration starts going in your direction, you read opposite. So you head to the other side in order for to clean up the driving lane for mm-hmm. the guy who has the ball and to still create that passing lane for the dump off. They've done a really good job of stuff like that in a way that that always frustrated me in the Luke years and especially in the Byron years where it's like, no, like you being right here means that neither of you have an open shot. If you go over here, both of you have an open shot depending on how the defense reacts. And so just little things like that. Part of that's having more veterans on the team too, a big part of that. But I've just been really happy with the little details, like the scenario that you just described. Well, and, and, you know, you had that video 
dropped yesterday about you know how to how to you know kind of work off of what was the top locks the yeah. top locks on yeah. off ball screens yeah. and and it was something that was just clearly visible throughout the game they had so many back cuts that they were able to convert and mm-hmm. like secondary options under luke was not was not no, an option man. it was it was basically like when in luke's system or the way that he coached a team it was basically like okay if your primary option isn't there maybe run like a pick and roll i guess and then to see what happens or go like mm-hmm. iso or something and it was just it was it was fascinating to watch not just the fact that those options are there and they were clearly there but also everybody on on the same being on the same page and being able to execute those things um and and like you said the attention the detail that comes with coaching guys to be able to handle those situations yeah, man. Like there are a couple things. Basketball is jazz. That's one, you know, a saying that's been around for a long time and that yeah. you have this general structure, but then you read off of each other. And in that way, it's, it's both jazz, but it's also algorithmic, right? Yeah. A lot of it, if this, then that type of scenarios. Um, and it's just such a bro. We've watched so much bad basketball and I, I don't, you know, want to be like, I've watched more bad basketball than anyone, but I've friggin' rewatched these games and have for years now. So having like, like, yes, that's what you're supposed like. It's, it, it's so feels so damn good because it's like I've been watching like, no, you should be doing this. And right. then now it's like, oh, they did it. They did that thing they were supposed to do in this game. And it just makes me so happy. I would have given anything to be in the room with you as like on their first back cut on the top lock. I would have just loved <laughs> I could just back, I could picture you just like bouncing around your house. <laughs> Incredible. Um, it was funny. Let's. I, Jen kept making a point last night that I don't think can quite be made often enough, and she made it incredibly clearly. So let's take a quick second. When we come back, we'll talk about Jen talking about Anthony Davis and LeBron. So we're sitting there watching the game. And LeBron and Anthony Davis are on the court together. And then, you know, they were also out there with, like, JaVale or something like that. And Jen just kept on going, like, Fred, that seems unfair. <laughs> Fred, that doesn't seem fair. Like, they're just so much big. It just doesn't seem fair. And, like, the, the, the caveats are obviously that the Warriors are already a small team. And they were missing their two best bigs in Kavon Looney and Willie Cauley-Stein. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, but, did you watch that game and be like, you know, this game would really be different if they had <laughs> Willie Cauley Stein out there? Right. That was like, it was. I, I'm trying to think of like front courts in the NBA that would be able to not have that seem unfair. And like, I think the the net rating with Anthony Davis and LeBron out there on the court last night was, I think, like 65. Yeah, they're like a plus thirty one point five or something like that in the preseason with both of them out there. It's it's just incredible, and and like this point, I don't think can be hammered home quite enough. In that, so while the Lakers were playing for a portion of the game, the Houston Rockets were playing, and with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, it's a great NBA Jam team when like you don't do anything other than you know just run ISO after ISO after ISO. But it just essentially just comes down to Harden's turn, 
then Russ's turn, and right. then Harden's turn, and then Russ's turn. But the Lakers, because of how well Davis and LeBron fit together on every single play, can feature both of them in ways that other teams with superstars cannot. And that's why it feels so unfair. Because while you watch, like, even the the, the Clippers this year with Paul George and Kawhi, like, if they were to run a pick and roll, well, the opposing team would just switch. Right. right? But... Um, the Lakers, though, when they run a pick and roll with LeBron and Anthony Davis, especially with you know JaVale as, as a dunk threat and Danny Green in one corner and like Quinn Cook in the opposite corner, whatever it is, like when the Lakers have proper spacing and it's a LeBron and AD uh, pick and roll, there's just nothing you can do. There's, it just, that's why it feels so unfair. Yeah, no, it, it's AD is benefiting so much from having another guy who takes that burden off of him, uh, especially like LeBron's strengths. We've talked a little bit about how like AD's strengths can help LeBron, but we, you know, with the pick and roll game and whatnot, but LeBron's ability to command uh, and, and make a play happen from the perimeter. Like AD's okay at that, but AD is really thriving as a passer after LeBron draws the initial attention. And now it's a four on three and you have to step up to AD and it's a lob to JaVale yeah. at the rim on those short pick and roll situations. Um, and you know, he's averaging over six assists per 36 minutes in his career. high was last season at 3.9. Um, you know, he's really thriving off of what LeBron can do. And it's just, you know, again, I want to see them play some different teams and some better teams, but uh, man, such a, such an encouraging start. And, you know, we we can really zoom into the details because we, you know, record so many shows in a year, Mm -hmm. but I want to zoom out to like the most important thing with this season to me is, is LeBron, in Terminator mode, right? Yeah. Is yeah. he like, he, yeah, he's been so good. He's mm-hmm. been good on defense, man. Yeah. And so like, I, I've always thought like a guy like LeBron who has a legitimate argument for the best player of all time is not going to go out with a whimper. No. And it, to me, like this season could be his not, maybe not last haymaker, but especially after last season and how he was talking in the off season, like our UMFers are going to see right. this season. And right. we are really, really on track for that type of season from LeBron. Let's all knock on wood and pray for health. But man, he looks unbelievable. LeBron. The one thing that I think the Lakers are really going to benefit in ways that other pro- teams who utilize a primary creator like LeBron aren't going to be able to is his strength not just like you think strength and you go well he can go through defenders on his way to the basket he's not going to get knocked off his spot or whatever but his passing and how quickly the ball arrives at the designated point of arrival like accurately it's so it's so it's such a huge like even that like everybody was marveling at how did he get enough on that pass to get it to Danny Green on that one where he took off from the free throw line had the ball in his right hand switched it over to his left flipped it over his shoulder and it arrived in the air to Danny Green in his shooting pocket right and like the the wild thing to me is not that sentence that I just said is fucking insane but also the fact that he can do all of that, do all of these things, like he threw a skip pass yesterday from the opposite baseline, the right baseline, uh, the Lakers were going from right to left as I remember it. He had the ball in like the 16, damn, maybe like 12 or 13 feet away from the basket, turns over his shoulder, Caruso sets a back screen, and then he threw a pass. I think it was to 
uh, Avery Bradley or Quinn Cook, one of those guys, and the ball just it just arrives on the money and in such a quick amount of time that the defense can't do anything about it. And with guys so like Quinn Cook is going to be able to get his shot off no matter what. Same with Danny Green. But with guys like Avery Bradley, with guys like Alex Caruso, with guys who aren't that kind of shooter, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, with guys who aren't that kind of shooters, that extra like millisecond is really going to pay dividends, and it really showed itself yesterday. No, it, <laughs> and on top of all of that, because you, you hit the nail on the head perfectly, uh, you talked about you know his his size and power. It's something that, like, you might have one, maybe two guys in your front court who can deal with the other team's big guy. But, like, who do you have to have defending LeBron in order to have them not defending Anthony Davis or not defending Dwight, Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee, right? Mm-hmm. So that that ability to collapse a defense that you're talking about and then pass it out accurately is also being built off of the idea that the other team does not have three guys who are big enough to not have massive disadvantage at one of those spots, probably two of those spots. Mm -hmm. Right. So then you've got this collapsing defense and bro, like we finally hit open shots yesterday. We got to talk about Quinn cook to a little more in detail. Um, but we finally hit open shots yesterday. This is what this team will look like if they just shoot like, okay. From three. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was funny. Stu Lance, I love Stu. He's in L.A. He's a Lakers icon, in my opinion, legend. Um, But I love the kind of snide, oh, they're going to shoot their threes this year. You know, like they're definitely going to get those those threes off. And it's like, yes, (sighs) Stu. Yeah, I know. They they, they shoot three-pointers now. They've been shooting three-pointers for the last, like, 20 years. Um, (laughs) But, but... Uh, it, it, that's the point you make is, is, is really important that like, if the Lakers just shoot, okay, I don't know how you guard them. And, and I forget who it was that made this point yesterday online or on Twitter. Um, but they basically said like on any given night, all the Lakers really need is one of Bradley KCP, just somebody else to get hot. Kuzma cook, just somebody to get hot. Um, so that you can further space the floor because teams are already going to defend Danny Green no matter what, whether or not he's hot or not. They're they're going to be stretched geometrically because you can't just leave Danny Green open. So all the Lakers need is one of those other guys to get hot. And on any given night, if those guys do, I just don't know how you guard them. Yeah, I mean, they're they're very much a pick your poison team. I made that video on the creator shooter and dominant big and like it's the pieces are there, right? And and a guy like Quinn Cook really helps to round that out. So let's please 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 talk about him in the next segment. <laughs> I will, I will. Hang tight, we'll come back to that in a second. Okay. I, I got I gotta say, I was so effing giddy watching him shoot. His shot uh, is so clean, it's so pure, it's so quick. Ah, oh, it's incredible. And he can like create. That was that was that that to me was as important as his just like hitting shots. No, you know the the Golden State Warriors run fewer ball screens than any team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as a function of all of their great shooters, they run a lot of off ball type stuff, right? Um, so that may be an underutilized aspect of Quinn Cook, just because he's not good enough to for the team to change what they do, right? right? Uh, but he is 
you know, that's an element of his game that was probably underutilized a bit. Mm -hmm. And we saw a little bit of that. He's an okay passer out of those, but he's such a good shooter, especially he's one of the guys that from mid range is good enough where it's a good shot. You know what he shot last year from 16 feet to the three point line, long twos, right? The Mm -hmm. the worst shot in basketball. He shot 51.9%. That's what you got to do. Between 16 feet and the three-point line. The year before, 52.1%. So it's not an aberration. He shoots like 52% on these mm-hmm. long twos. So it's a good enough sh- – he does it well enough to where like that's a good shot. And the Lakers are so lacking in guards who can – pull up and hit a jumper off of a ball screen Yeah, that he is exactly like, look, he had a great game last night. He's got plenty of flaws. There's a reason that he's not, you know, a, a higher paid player, mm-hmm. but he's exactly the type of guard that the Lakers have really need and, and have needed. And so there will be times where he's the right guy to play. There will be times where it's KCP instead. Caruso, I would argue there aren't times where it's Rondo, but Avery Bradley, mm-hmm. But to have that type of guy where, hey, the way they're defending us, we could really use a guy like this is open. This this area and these type of plays are open to have at least one guy where you can go, oh, they're doing that. Hey, Quinn, go get in the game Uh, like that's going to be really valuable for this team. Yeah, I would I would go so far as to say that when the Lakers have their best, like when we look at after the season, you look back at all of the Lakers best offensive lineups. I think they're all probably going to feature or not feature, but have Quinn cook as a part of them. He just, yeah, that makes sense. Cause he spaces the floor. We were talking about that gravity, right? Yeah. And like, just give that dude open shots. He's money. And, yeah. and we saw that last night. And so, yeah, I, I think that that's probably very likely. He's not, you know, uh, Avery Bradley was great on the defensive end last night, you, but we've got like different types of guards. They've got different specialties and, you know, Vogel has a lot to choose from. I thought last night was a perfect Bradley, like even heading into the game, I thought that that was going to be a good Avery Bradley matchup because D'Angelo Russell doesn't have the foot speed to make mm-hmm. him pay for playing the ball aggressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that goes against quicker guards or whatever. But, you know, in those spots and look, the other thing, too, I, I also liked his uh, his approach to defense yesterday. I, I really thought that. Instead of because it is easy to get carried away when you have a guard who is as slow footed as, as D'Angelo Russell is to really try to get up in them and really trying to pick, pick their pocket too much, especially if you're already that's the way you lean defensively anyway, as mm-hmm. as Bradley does. But I still thought just the way he was OK with containing yesterday, I, I, I really enjoyed that type of an approach. And hopefully, you know, you never know. It might just be kind of an aberration, an outlier. But if that is something that Bradley does really focus on, contain more than try to disrupt, like that's that's the kind of point of attack defense the Lakers really need. No, you're right on the money with that, man. Uh, you mentioned this kind of in passing, and this was maybe my my main takeaway is going to shock people that it was my main takeaway from last night. Well, actually, I have two main takeaways. Um, we'll start with the positive one. It's wild that watching that team, they could get considerably better. Mm-hmm. Because Kuzma does a lot to shore up a lot of what that team was already kind of benefiting from anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, those teams, like they did, they played quite a bit of uh, four out lineups yesterday, mm-hmm. and you can throw Kuzma in there and still have still have length on the perimeter in mm-hmm. ways that they didn't yesterday. So, like that was it's it was 
crazy already to watch them play as well as they did and then to think, oh, wait, they could get maybe their third or fourth best player back on this roster. That's That makes me really excited. But how, I, my question to you is how do you think that fits into that? Like where do you think that – where do you think he fits best? So Kuzma's really good cutter. Um, you know, I think the point that he's going to have to shoot well in order to really maximize his value, I think that's going to be true regardless. But Anthony Davis and LeBron James – they draw so many they cause so many odd numbered scenarios and that's what you're really going for in the half court are those brief seconds sometimes not even a second a half second where it's a four on three because mm-hmm. you've got two guys with attention on lebron or two guys with attention on ad okay how do we capitalize off of that kuz is a, is a great cutter and if he can spot up shoot just 35, 36%, just Mm -hmm. league average. Um, He's going to eat so much off of the attention that LeBron and AD draw um, in a different way than like JaVale does, right? Or in a different way that strictly just a spot-up shooter does. He also has that playmaking ability, which I think is something. There there were points last night where LeBron was off of the floor and with no Rondo where it was like, okay, how's the playmaking going to work? And they figured it out with that Quinn Cook-Dwight Howard combo. They had really good chemistry Mm -hmm. off of – you know, from from jump, but Kuz will add that extra like wing playmaking that I think uh, you know that the thing I think the Lakers are missing. It's this segues per- perfectly into my second takeaway from yesterday. Other than holy crap, they're huge and borderline unfair. But I don't know how you watch the guard play that the Lakers had last night and think to yourself, okay, now we got to find room for Rondo. Yeah, like. I get it. It's unrealistic to hope for Rondo not playing at all. Politically, that's just not going to go over in the locker room. But I thought last night's game highlighted perfectly what they give up in those Rondo minutes because all those guys, like even like Alex Caruso didn't play tremendously well. He was out there. He was fine. Finishes the game with a plus 16 because he doesn't hurt you in ways that Rondo can hurt you. Avery Bradley plays his best game of the preseason and and fits in perfectly and makes that team. It makes them so good, by the way, that LeBron said that that's that basically stated after the game that that was going to be their starting group, right? That they had great defense in that starting lineup. So my question is like, if you is there at is there will there be a point this year that the Lakers recognize okay yeah like it's just it's just not working or or do you think they even noticed yesterday what the guards brought to the table that they don't necessarily need in those rondo minutes i i think they noticed i think this is something that we've talked about this before where Rondo being taken out of the rotation would have to be a process, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that hasn't been particularly a compelling argument over the preseason is nobody's really played well, uh, you know, at the guard spot. Up until last night, Bradley was great. Cook was great. Um, Caruso's been really good on the defensive end, really bad on offense. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but nobody had been, had played well enough to really make a convincing, well, this is what we should do instead type of argument, which is going to be a necessary component of, it's not just going to be, oh, Rondo bad. It has to be, well, what's good. Right. And this was the first bit of evidence where it was like, see, this is what it looks like when you got guys who can shoot, who are an offensive threat, who, you know, the defense isn't playing 10 feet off of them on every play who can defend. Um, And it's going to be a process, right? And it's, 
you know, Rondo was just resting last night. He's going to play in that first game of the regular season. Yeah. He's going to be taking one of those dudes minutes or all of theirs chipping away at, at it. Right. Um, and, and so it'll take those lineups without him playing really, really well. And the, in order to stack up the evidence that points toward, Hey, like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be playing him at all. Right. And look, like I said, it's unrealistic. It's just flat out. It's not going to happen that the Lakers are going to start the year with Rondo not playing. That's just not going to happen. There are too many people who are too important throughout the organization who vouch for him politically. But mm-hmm. they also want to win. <laughs> like at the end of the day, everybody involved with the Lakers, like their main goal should be, okay, what, who, does, who gives us the best chance at winning? And right now, they think it's Rondo. But eventually, what's going to have to happen, and I thought last night was a huge step in, it, in, in that process starting, was, okay, here's the proof that that isn't the case. Mm-hmm. Here's the proof that Quinn Cook is a fine creator for the second, line, for the second groups, right? Uh, Avery Bradley, when he plays defense the way he does, is is perfectly fine and and there's enough creation amongst the starters that you don't need Rondo having the ball at all. LeBron is so good that you should never have him uh with Rondo because anytime Rondo and he share the court, for some reason the offense kind of devolves into Rondo pick and rolls for some reason, right? And as the as those cases are made as uh clearly as they were made yesterday more frequently that's when you're going to start to see that taking place, and I, and, and and like I don't I don't want I, look. It's not personal with Rondo. It's just a matter of I want the Lakers to play their best players, and he is not one of them. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't say it any any better than that. All right, uh, as you were saying before the show, before we you we uh, started recording yesterday was kind of the dress rehearsal. Tomorrow, or by the time you guys are listening to this, tonight's game uh, is probably going to be more of a uh, just keep everybody healthy and get everybody ready for Tuesday. Uh, so anything in particular that you're looking for in that game while rotation guys aren't playing? Uh, it'll be fun to watch Cook play a little bit more. I think we'll probably see a little more of the holes in his game because I think he's one of those guys that's going to be more dependent upon having yeah. guys who can hoop around him. Um, yeah, it's been fun to watch uh, Devonte Kaycock, I've been, you know, he's, yeah. he's done a really, really good job in those, in those type of minutes. Um, yeah, a lot of these dudes are, you know, they'll, they'll be on the G league team and I think they'll have a solid G league team this year, maybe a little small, which was a, an issue they had last year on uh, for South Bay, but just keep these dudes healthy, man. I'm ready for the regular season to start. It's wild to see somebody built the way Kaycock is built. Cause he's also like chiseled and he's out there wearing number 12 and it isn't Dwight. Mm-hmm. It's so like that guy kept that kept catching me last night as as the game was going on. Uh, fun week of shows, uh, you know. It's sometimes heavy week of shows. We are now getting back into the basketball fo- focus portion of the show, and we only have what two shows before the Lakers kick off or tip off their season. Uh, so that's exciting. I know you guys have a ton of questions uh, that you want at- answered before the Lakers tip off their season. So get those in in the form of a five-star review. And uh, Pete and I will get to those on Monday and Tuesday's shows next week. Uh, But for now, have a great rest of your week. Make somebody else's, and we'll talk to you on Monday. 